All righty. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. How many had a great Christmas? Raise your hand. How many wish the holidays were over? Why? Off work. How many enjoy being off work? Well, my uh, mentor tells me this. Whenever you take a break, it's always, he calls it when you come back, it's work deferred. So everything you didn't do those two weeks just stack up like this. So it makes you forget your vacation real quick. So, but really, it's a good time. I've been reading the news lately, and, um, you know, everyone knew about UPS and FedEx and the holiday rush and how, off, how, how tough it was for them to deliver packages. And um, reading about that, because our series is on special delivery. And uh, when I was reading through the Wall Street Journal, they said this, that basically what happened to UPS and FedEx, that the volume of everyone inputting and in, in shopping online really overwhelmed them as far as their capacity to deliver. Now they're trying to research, do we have enough planes? Do we have enough uh, drivers? Do we have enough teams in the, in the office to do those things? And, and, and I saw the government stepped in and said, you need to just fulfill your promises because you made a lot of promises before, you know, before the holidays, and you need to fulfill those promises. And I, and I started reading, I said, well, you know something? We sure put a lot of stock in a man-made promise. And then we get disappointed when they can't um, make it. And you know, as far as a man or a woman or mankind making promises, it is impossible for us to, to keep those promises unless God does the promising. And that's what I want to talk about this morning to finish our special delivery. Uh, it's a promise that was promised to us by God, and I talked about last two weeks, about two weeks, about a week ago, out of Genesis, how God promised a savior, a son to be born when we fell, and he was going to make the correction. And what I want to do is a parallel scripture I want to show you about a special gift, like I said, a special delivery that God has given to us that sometimes we forget about this gift because all we do, we go through our lives through the year, 364 days, and then we wait to Christmas Day to remember this gift. Or we wait till Christmas season. Well, what I want my heartbeat today is that you remember what I'm going to speak about. Our special gift for mankind was Jesus Christ, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because it's a gift that continues to keep giving. It never runs out. So let's go ahead and go, if you have your Bibles, to John chapter 1. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to split it up. We're going to go through John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then we'll jump down to 10 through 14. The reason why I want to go ahead and capture Jesus in this passage. Also in this passage is John the Baptist. But we want to go ahead and I want to cover uh, this gift that God has given us, his son. And then I want to unpack a few things for you, let you know that the gift that we have for Christ, we will never be disappointed in. We'll never have to call our congressmen in that it didn't be fulfilled. Everything God has said and continues to say will come to pass. And that's a guarantee. Things outside of God that try to give you a guarantee, you know, money-back guarantee, or uh, we will not break our promises, it will happen. But our disappointment should, be in, should not be so much in creation, but we ought to be enjoying the creator. And we put a lot of stock in creation, but we need to put a lot more stock in the creator, God himself. And you won't live a disappointing life because, again, things will take place. 
but we know who we're attached to, and we know we have the gift that never runs out, never gets old, never fades away, perfect at all times, on time of all times, the supporter of our souls, Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and read in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Let's drop down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was, not made, was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now this moment that we'll have a chance to just retool, reshape, uh, for some of us re-invite Jesus Christ into our lives, the greatest promise, the greatest gift in the world. We give you praise this morning. Help us as we process this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. During Christmas, how many got the gift that you were really waiting for, that you really needed? How many got what you really needed? Three people. How many got stuff you didn't want? Be honest, no one's looking. <laughs> and how many are going to go ahead? And, oh, you know, as I, I like uh, 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 this show, um, anyways, from New York. Can't remember the show now. Anyway, they call you re-gifters. How many are re-gifters at Walmart? Mm-hmm. I seen you last one. The line was so long on the 26th. You were re-gifting some gifts. But how many of you know the real gift that we needed for mankind, as we talk about this, the one gift that we all desire, the one gift that we all need is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And the greatest gift that we receive with Jesus Christ, the greatest gift on earth, not the cars, not a good job, not the stuff, was forgiveness. Because remember last week I talked about how man fell and God had to clean it up and fix it up. And he sent his son, the greatest gift in the world, Jesus Christ. And what I'm talking about here is one of the greatest gifts you can get is him. When you unpack this scripture, the apostle John is writing a key thing here. Last week we talked about Genesis 1-1. In the beginning God created. And then we go in here, in the beginning was the word. Now the word here. If you look at it, it means logos. The Greek and the Jews actually believed that God created with words. God created with wisdom. But I like when God writes in the Bible how he always trumps culture. Because they were thinking and they believed the audience that John was speaking to, the Greeks, because they think wisdom is everything. Uh, the Hebrew, who just felt like the word of God, when God spoke, things came to pass. Well, then they brought it down here that the word 
The word was God. They believed that if you live by the law, by the written law, you'll do great. History today, some of us who, are, who love the Bible, sometime, and they would search the word to get wisdom and knowledge. But Jesus would tell them, when you search the word, you find me. In the beginning and at the end, you will find me. Don't look for wisdom because that's our Greek, our, our, our culture. More wisdom, more knowledge. We know a lot, but really you missed the whole thing because they were smart and they missed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because they missed him. He's all in the scripture. When I talked about last week, when in Genesis 3.15, when he says, I will crush the serpent's head. God was talking about, that is my son. They talked about the first time of the God, the good news. You fell, now I'm sending you as Lord and Savior to bring us back into right relationship with him. Then you get into John, and he's trumping the whole audience. Because they're saying, yeah, the law is good. If you study the word, you'll be, have all this knowledge. You have all this wisdom. He says, no, you study the word, you have Jesus is in the word. He is the wisdom that God is talking about. Everything was created through him. There was nothing that was created not through Christ. That messed him up because it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, make sure I get this right, 24. God, I mean, Paul saying, the Apostle Paul saying this, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. So when you have wisdom, it comes from Christ. He was the wisdom. He was the word who did the creating. Which sometimes when we read the Bible and we say, read your Bible every day, every day, read your Bible. I'm not trying to get you to have knowledge and wisdom. I want you to get Jesus because he's all through the scriptures. Now, those who don't know Christ right now, if you're an unbeliever, we put a lot of stock in other things, in other philosophies. But he also says something that was crucial here. That the Logos, the Word, existed before creation began. So the Jews also believed that the wisdom that we, they were walking by, in the Greek, the wisdom they were walking by had to be created. But there was no creation of the Word. Has no, you don't know the beginning and you don't know the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That means you cannot measure me. You cannot tell when I was born. A lot of philosophies, a lot of people we prophets, false prophets that we follow, had a beginning, they had a dash, and they had an end. And we worship dead people. Everyone, if you look at all the different prophets, they man try to elevate people who have a beginning and who have an end. We have a God, you can't tell the beginning, and you can't tell the end. We have a perfect gift that from the beginning you don't know. It was right there before time began. And he'll be there now. Then he's here now and he'll be there tomorrow and forever. So please do not put so much stock in something that has a shelf life. Because a lot of times we make people our savior. We make our jobs our savior. We make all those things that are going to pass away. Versus the king of kings, you make him everything, he'll bring all the ones that will stay forever. That's why you let him pick your friends. 
That's why you let him pick your husband. That's why you let him pick your wife. Because you picked the wrong one. Then you get mad at him because you let that happen. You didn't ask him, so he's not obligated to fulfill what you didn't ask. Make sense? So you say in the word Jesus, God's person and power is revealed to humanity. Think about it. Add a scripture. I'm going to give you three things as we unpack this, add these passages. The first one is the gift that we have received. The gift is timeless, life-giving, and tangible. The first one, timeless, like I, I covered earlier. There's no time on the gift. You can't tell the creation. You can't even tell when it was started. And you don't know when it ends. Aren't you happy that you serve someone who's not relegated by time? When I was thinking about this passage, I had this. How many remember what this is? Huh? What is it? Is it what? Strap wrench. I asked a few people. They said, I don't know what that is. In 2001... I worked for Sears, and Bob Villa was doing commercials. And this product was going to be a life-changing product because you had the big one for the guy to open things up whenever we're stuck. And you had the ladies whenever they had to go in, 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 and you can't open the jars, and you go, and you open up the jars. And these were hot items for $9.99. And people flooded the place a couple weeks before, and we ran out. We said, we don't have a strap wrench. We have a mighty saw. We don't want a mighty saw. We want the strap wrench. The greatest thing revolutionized everything, mechanics. No one remembers what it is. The day after Christmas, guess what we got in the Sears? Two million of them. And everyone came. Do you want a strap wrench? No. I'm looking for a mighty saw now. Because it was hot, and then it's not. Has a time limit on it. You know why I found this? In my shed. I can't remember the last time Miss Donna said, Rich, can you go get the strap wrench so we can open up the jar of pickles? No, I just go boom and I hear. So it was great. And I don't change oil on the car because I don't know where the filter is anymore. What I'm saying is the God we serve is hot all the time. He never fades out. He's timeless. You'll remember him forever. There's nothing worse. We talk as the old guys now. You don't mind going to Las Vegas and seeing uh, who's the guy singing now. He's uh, been there for years. Tom Jones, we saw him, we were talking about when we drove through Palm Springs. Tom Jones, is, I thought he was dead, but anyway, singing the same old songs. But he, time's out. But at least he got songs to sing. Now today, I mean, who's going to go see a rap, who's going to go see um, Jay-Z when he's 70? Because he can't move and rap anymore. So we got to get the music back. It's great, but it just has a shelf life and it has a time limit of his popularity, of his influence. I want to help you. You want to go to one that influence never dies. Don't put your stock in the things 
that will die. Some of you have gifts. You just admit it. No one got what they needed. So what are you going to do with that stuff? Right? When we have a church garage sale for our missions trip to Cincinnati, a lot of that stuff's going to show up at the front door. I won't tell anybody. The God we have is timeless. He won't be put in a shed. And the Bible we have shows everything he did then, he does today, he'll do tomorrow. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This was hot, to, yes, I mean, 2001, and no, anybody want this? I'm a re-gifter. No. I got it free because I worked at Sears. So you can't have it. Now, you probably still use it, Jerry. It's timeless. In verses 1 through 3, he says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without them not anything was made that was made. Uh, made that was made. In him was life, and the life after men. In the beginning. He was in the beginning. When is the beginning? Give me a date. There's no date. Give me a start date. There's no start date. Give me an end date. There's no end date. It's just Alpha and Omega. Timeless. And his power was just as powerful back then, and we have it more now because then in the Old Testament, he visited people. Now he's in us. It's timeless. Second thing, life-giving. Life-giving. Before we go into life-giving, let me share a scripture with you. Proverbs 8.23. Thank you, sir. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When you read that, you have to go ahead and make sure you go into, if you have a concordance to read about that, because a lot of people use that, and we do. It's about wisdom. But it's actually, this is what we call a messianic uh, proverb. It's talking about Christ. Ages before, before the earth was set up, I was there. I am. We sung it today. The great I am. Before Abraham was, I am. When he said that, he put himself in a position, oh my gosh, blasphemy. Yeah, because I'm God. So that's what he's talking about here. Ages before I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, I am. I was there. I am here. I will be here tomorrow. I'm in you right now. Second one, life-giving, verses 4 and 12. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave to become children of God. When you look at the word life, in him was life. You heard this saying, and we did it in, in science, that light, you need light to give life. How many of you heard that saying? You need light to give life. Well, in the kingdom of God, you need life to get light. Jesus is the life, and we see the light in Christ. We don't need light to get life. We have life. We got light. So when Jesus ever walked into a place, or you, if you're a believer, you walked into a place, and you needed something, the light was showing up, you know there was something different about them because he had the life that you always wanted, the life that we all desire, and it brings light to your soul and, see, and it exposes the darkness in your heart. So it flips it. It's reverse. Life gives you light. Here's the thing. 
We can't get, try to find light in other things. We can only find the right light in life in Christ. Everything else is going to be short-lived. Like a strap wrench, like a new car you bought, the minute someone dings it, it's not new anymore. But Christ is the life. I am the way, the truth, and the what? That's a powerful statement. That's a singular statement that we're getting, as believers, getting in trouble for. But guess what? He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. I mean, what can you do? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Life giving. Proverbs, I mean, Psalms 36, 9 says this. For you were the fountain of life. In your life do we see light. In Christ, we see the light. In the word of God, where Christ is, when you read the word of God, you start to see light. What is light? You see something that's pure. Something that's innocent. In the midst of all the chaos... When you get to read the Bible and you get to really get hang with Christ, he gives you a, a light perspective on what's going on so you don't get caught in the turmoil of the world. You don't have to call Dear Abby or write to Dear Abby. You just open your Bible and he'll give you the light perspective on what's going on today. A lot of things seem like be just swirling, but when you read the Bible... It says it's going to swirl. Sometimes we're asking God to make it stop. We don't want that because how are we going to be exposed if he doesn't swirl it? When everything runs short, who do you think is going to run strong? Because <laughs> we have the life in us. We have the light in us. So when he says in 36, again, for with you is the fountain of life. There's a movie we saw. Uh, it's a funny movie. Uh, Death Becomes Her. Uh, Meryl Streep's in it. Goldie Hawn's in it. And my man Bruce Willis. He wasn't shooting nothing. He's a doctor. And they found this pill. Was it a pill? It was a pill. This, this drink, this serum. Elixir. <laughs> Elixir. If you drink it, you live forever. And it'll keep you young. So you have to keep fighting for this serum. Problem is, they forgot one thing. To keep you young, you keep young on the inside, but your body starts falling apart. Everything's falling off. In fact, I mean, everything starts to, you know, gravity. Sorry if you're old. I mean, I'm old. But it starts to happen to you. But you're still young. And they didn't take it. They start to age. So they had to go find it and kept doing it. But what happened is they started getting older. Their spirit was alive, but the body was falling apart. At the end of the movie, well, if you haven't seen it, you can see it again and laugh. At the end of the movie, they're walking, then one leg falls off. They say, oh, I got to get that leg. That's mine. They were looking for the fountain of life. I look at that today. We have a big business today trying to look nice and trying to find the life, trying to stay young. You know, if I see another commercial about taking this, the wrinkles off my face and it doesn't matter because when you get older, it's still going to show that you had, oh, that was a stretch mark. And then by the time you look at it, your lips are already back here. And then you're speaking, and you can't smile anymore because you might rip something. 
The fountain of life is the internal gift that we have from God, from Christ. In the midst of storms, in the midst of pain, there's something that rises up in you that keeps you going. It says out of us will flow rivers of living water. In the midst of pain and struggle, living water is going to flow from us if we stay connected to the water source. And that life, you get life from water, you get life from light, you get life from food, and all that is in when you're with Christ. That fountain of life, it doesn't matter on the outside because it's going to change, but the inside stays younger. You're always thinking about what Christ is thinking about. You're always thinking about how we can bring change and how we can be so influential in the world. When you don't have the fountain of life, you decide, we, what happens to us, we get caught up in culture. And we're not supposed to be caught up in culture because we're our own culture. If we were to keep up with culture, we're always going to be behind. Because if they got this thing, well, we'll try this. We'll, no, we're creative, the creative being in us. We are the culture. If you look in the book of Acts, when people got their lives to Jesus, they got into a community. And they became their own culture. And it's okay because they were the most flourishing culture there. They were helping the culture that didn't have them didn't have Christ. They became nothing, nothing, even with the persecution. How do you persecute a person who walks up and says, yeah, again, cut my head off. I'm not going to fight. I'm going to throw you to the lions. Okay. How do you fight a guy like that? How do you fight a person like that? Well, I'm going to be with Christ, so <laughs> the die is gain. Come on. Come on, hurry up. How do you fight a person? What is in them? Because this life is just passing through. They already know there's another life, the life. They know there's Christ is the life. So when I leave this place, I go to his place. How do you fight that? Well, church, the reason why I'm sharing this with you, because you're going to have to have that same fortitude in you in these days coming up. Someone was telling me the other day, How, uh, can you wait for your raise? I said, raise? What raise? I'm a retiree. They're taking 1% every year. You're kidding. No, I said, no, you got your tax break last year? They raised my taxes. That's less money, more Christ. Struggles, pain, shootings, unless we have that fountain of life in us to help, to change. Because when you take light out of a school, you take light out of a job, you're going to have darkness. And when darkness reigns, you see what's going on. We're so busy trying to run out of the place when we should be running in the place and throwing water and throwing love and throwing grace and throwing peace. We're trying to, God, get me out of this God-forsaken place. It isn't God-forsaken because you're in it. That's why I put you there to bring change, not to run away. Pray for me that I lose my job. Why? If you leave, Ichabod, Spirit of the Lord goes with you. He's not down the street. He's in you. We don't have to go find a revival. He's in you. Come on, somebody. We're gonna, we're gonna, you're not going to have a revival. The revival is in your soul. He lives there. We're trying to run out of bad situations when we're supposed to make the situation good because the light of the world is in us. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He says, you are the light. You are the salt. Make it salty. Bring the light. Don't run away from it because you have the fountain of life. 
And when people see you, they will see light. They will see the hope they've been looking for. And you ever hear this? Thank God that you work here. Who ever heard that? Who you think gave them that word? They just came up? No, God gave them that. They were thanking God for your service because they recognize the God in you. Now, if you're not getting that, maybe you're not portraying that. If you're portraying culture, what's the difference? But light, what you fill it, what you fill it up, you'll leak, you, you not leak out. You actually give it out. That's what it's about, the fountain of life. The Savior that we have is not a Christmas Savior. He lives in each and every one of us. The fountain of life. The last one is, he's tangible. Now, the word in verse 14, dwell, means to dwell in a tent or tabernacle among us. Talking about the tent and the tabernacle. When you look at the Old Testament, it's a shape and it's a, it's a, uh, a um, form. It's also a sign of Christ. When you look at the tabernacle, these are going to holies of holies. Talk about Christ dwells, came down, God became human and dwelled among us. But here's the thing. He died. He rose Now he lives, those who accept, who are children of God, he lives and dwells in us. That's why you don't have to do this every year and say, oh, we're going to celebrate Christ. That's great. Celebrate Christ every day because he's inside of you if you're a believer of God. Now, God made himself personal through Christ. Think about it. Back then, people knew there was a God. They knew Partially God, but when Jesus came on earth, they experienced the full measure of God. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when Christ came, he died and was raised, he lives in us. We have the full measure of God inside of each and every one of us. There's nothing more we need. Because a lot of our prayers, give me more God. I used to pray, God, I need more of you. I need more of you. And then I read the the secret of more God. John the Baptist had it. And John, I think it's 3.3. I must decrease first. (laughs) Then he will increase second. So it's less of me. Because he says, you have all the God. The fullness of Christ in us. The gift that we received, if you're a believer, was not just, it was more than just a baby in a manger. It was deposited in each and every one of us. Through the Holy Spirit. That is cool stuff. So everything I do for God, when you're talking about you'll see the glory of God, everything you're doing for God, the glory, it's because Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is moving you to do those things. You can't even take credit for it. That's how powerful a God we have. Here's the thing. He's full of grace and truth. You know, Warren Worsby said this. Grace without truth would be deceitful. And truth without grace would be condemning. Now, we love grace. 
But when God speaks truth, how much do we love the truth? I love the truth because it guides me to grace. I'm so glad for the, the, the gift it is. Remember I talked about the gift that we have. I'm glad that God didn't ask for justice from us. He asked for justice from his son. He took what we deserve. We received the grace. Now we all we have to do is walk in that grace, but also don't ever walk without truth. Because again, grace without truth would be deceitful. Give you an example. If I'm a good friend of yours, and you say, I'm thinking about divorcing my wife, man. I want to get rid of her. Oh, man, just do what the Lord says do. That's false. The truth is, you married her. The Bible says it's permanent. Next, <laughs> in love. But I'm going to help you do it. Grace. It's wrong, but I'm going to help you get there. I love Jesus. Whenever God points out uh, uh, something in me, he gives me the tools to get out of it. He doesn't leave you hanging. You just go on. You're on your own. It's with grace and truth. Jesus, grace and truth. There's a scripture I love. 1 John 4, 9, where he talks about being visible and tangible. God became visible and tangible in Christ. It says this, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we may live through him. You know that word manifest also means tangible, something that you can touch. The love of God, God in you, you can't say it's intangible. You know that you walk, you know that Christ is in you. You know there's someone there in your heart when you give your life to Jesus. It's tan- you can touch it. You can feel it. More than feel it, but you can actually see it every day. Because what I'm doing now, I wouldn't did this 20 years ago. When they told me I did in the Air Force, I had to give a speech. I would try to get sick to do from giving a speech. I can't do this. I'm not going to do this speech. Me doing this, I know it's got to be God. And that's what it is. It's just realizing that he is tangible. It's a relationship, not a religion. When you read the Bible for just knowledge, it becomes religion. When you read it with Christ in it, it becomes a thriving relationship. And guys, we need to tell the young people that it works. Because they find out, they think other things work. That doesn't work. Only Christ in us works. Hebrews 1, 2, it says this. Because he's tangible. God's, Jesus speaks to us today. Hebrews 1, 2 says, but in the last days he has spoken to us by his what? By his what? Whom he appointed the heirs of all things through him also created the world. God is still, as much as you might think things are just going ballistic, God is speaking so loud now to those who have an ear to hear and a heart to listen. A lot of things we think, ah, oh, this is fun. Really? This is can I be real with you? And I just say this every other, every other week. This is our greatest time in history as being a believer. Because wherever it used to be gray, there isn't any more playground in the gray. Either black 
or white. Which makes, if you're walking with Christ, even when you don't want to stick out and you don't want to be seen, you will be. <laughs> You'll be noticed because they'll ask you questions on your job and you'll give an answer like, they'll say, that's kind of weird. And you say, wait, why did you think that? Well, because that's what God said. Are you trying to push that religion? Nope, 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 nope. But I have one question for you, unbeliever. Is it working for you? Is it working for you? You can give me all the arguments. I can meet all the atheists. But I'm going to ask, is it working for you? Why are you so angry? Notice everyone's angry today. A lot of people are angry. They're not angry. They're scared. They are scared. Fear is racking us since 9-11. We have went into defensive mode versus offensive mode. I was looking at his, I love history. So the last time we had a, a thriving, it's not a political, a thriving space race. A thriving, um, NASA had a vision on what to do next. We're so busy hunking down, trying to keep us, and that's just fear. And fear makes you angry. And then depression is breaking out. And all depression is, is anger turned inward. And it's affecting a lot of us Christians. And we wait to holidays to feel better. And we don't when it's over. Because we forgot the perfect gift that we received. One is timeless. Second is always giving life. And third is tangible. And that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the greatest thing when I talk about tangible, God is still speaking today. God has spoken to some of you, and you've been afraid to share it. God has given you the, 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 gave, has given you the answer to the problem on your job, but you're afraid to step up. Because God's speaking to those who are listening. And whenever you open that Bible, even when you say, oh, it just feels so dry. I don't think I'm getting anything. Your soul is getting, your spirit is getting fed. And he's speaking to you. He's always speaking to you. This is the world today. How many of you agree? This is how we're supposed to be. Whenever we think we messed up, it's called this. It's called a parabola in, um, in math. I repent, I turn, and I walk it out in faith. Then I get to another level, I repent, I turn, and I walk it out in faith. And you know where I'm repenting a lot? Because I get, at my age, it is hard not to be judgmental in society today. I'll be, I see things in black and white, and I, I, God had to check me on being judgmental. No one needs to know what we disagree with. Everyone needs to hear the answer to the problem. 
And God says, you're the answer to the problem. Why are you sitting there with your sign? I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And we're the answer. On your job, in your, on your campus, as tough as it gets. Seems like no one's listening. They're listening. Look how long it took to get you. Everyone just close your eyes. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Just close your eyes. Just, just stop. Put the brakes on. Just stop. This whole sermon series today, this week, these last three weeks, is to magnify Christ. Not just to, to relegate him to a baby, but to, re- to magnify him that he's a life-giving every single day in our hearts every day. And I'm just going to ask a show of hands with everyone's head bowed. And we're going to end with a psalm. How many of you are just walking through some discouragement right now? Just raise your hand. Go ahead, put him down. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you right now, and then we're going to sing a song. And those who raise your hands, sometimes we just need to be a reminder. There's on either side of us is communion. And when he says, whenever you take this, do this in remembrance of me. And when you do that, you remember the goodness of the Lord, and he's never leaving you or forsaking you. Discouragement is different from, you have encouraged and then you discourage. Discouragement, something eats at your soul very slowly, very long period of time to bring you into discouragement. And I'm praying right now for you that I'll, and I'll be praying for you that you'll realize it's not what it seems. <laughs> that God is all, all over you. Last week I talked about whenever we seem like we're in a hole, God comes walking in the, in the cool of the day looking for you. And you didn't blow it that he will say, I'm not going to take the walk. God is always on the offensive and moving forward. So as we sing this song, the song I want to sing is the one, How Great Is Our God, in between that. What was that? Huh? Huh? Great I Am? I see heaven. Okay. Thank you, son. I want you, oh, um, okay, okay, yeah, okay, <laughs> creative difference, that's good, why don't we stand? And I want you at this time, those who raise their hands, on either side is communion. Take the time 
just to take the communion elements. Remember, our Savior came, he died, and he rose again for us. And he wants you to walk in victory. Do not get caught up in culture. He is the culture. And I want to refresh your soul as you're taking of the elements. Father, I thank you right now for your time, for your spirit, God.